What's up, failures, and welcome to the Chicken Hut, a CNC fancast. I'm Noah, he's Nick. Today, we are using the technologically advanced condenser microphones that I bought and uh, mounted in a very fancy professional way, uh, in a way that I apparently had zero interest in using our last two episodes. Uh, today, we are going to start book two. Hey, we did it. The second one. We Yeah, we officially made it past book one. We did. Uh, the show still exists, miraculously. Right. Um, we know it's been a roller coaster. We've had a lot of emotional uh, uh, highs and lows and ups and downs. Yeah. You know, it's been a journey, Nick. Right. Um, but, you know, we, we made it through an entire book. We're still here. An um, adventure. We accomplished peace in Korea. Uh, I know a really? lot of yeah, a lot of people think that you know the politicians uh, did that, but no. Uh, fun it was, it fun was fact: us. it was the Chicken Hut podcast. Nice. Interestingly enough, so um, we'll take a well-deserved victory. Listen, you can pat me on the back for that. One. Yeah, good job, Nick. Um, hey, good job, Noah. It was our show. Just you know, inspiring joy uh, and peace, um, and quelling hatred. We did it. You know, we're bringing the country together. We did it. Um, it's all us. Um, all right. You know, good, we fixed it. Good pat on the back there. So, how's it going, Nick? It's going all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's summer. It's hot. Both factually correct. Unless you're listening to this in December. Um, it was know. recorded in the summer. It it was summer. There was once a period of time that right. was summer, right. and that's when we recorded this episode. So, um, yeah, that's fun. Hoping <laughs> things. Uh, <laughs> Hoping things move faster now. Um, you know, we, we it took three almost three episodes um, to get through book one. We're gonna we're gonna get into book two today. I hope that the audio issues. I mean, like like I've said many times, we do not know what we're doing. Like yeah, this is all still very new. We're amateurs. Um, I don't even know. Best. We we spent probably a good ten or fifteen minutes even before we hit record today, just making sure that everything sounded okay. And I still have you know I'm only seventy percent sure that it will. Right. Um, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, we made a lot of fart noises into the microphones <laughs> to try yeah. to make this work. Yeah, but you know, people love fart noises. That's a crowd pleaser. It is. I mean, you know, Robert Bevan knows that. That's why. I mean, yeah, that's why know. Cooper exists. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. He's just a walking, one of those minion fart guns. Pretty much. You know. So, um, hey, everybody! Thanks for coming back. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, if you're still here, um, then you must have read book one. And today we're going to be starting Critical Failures two. Fail Harder, uh, the sequel that um, I don't know that anybody asked for, but we got. I mean, it was necessary. Yeah. I mean, I'm concerned about what happens to our intrepid heroes. It would have sucked pretty hard if they had stopped after, if Robert Bevan had stopped after book one with the way that book one ended. Yeah. (laughs) It was just like, screw you guys. Everybody's going to die. I'm done. Alone. They're just going to get shit-faced at some, you know, random tavern and Mordred's going to decompose in the chicken hut freezer. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, what does, I mean, do... Does decomposition happen, or does it just happen much slower in a freezing? Yeah, but if you remember, it's not like a particularly efficient freezer. Sure. You know? Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it just maybe it would slow it down a little. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, book two. <laughs> we're gonna try uh, just to kind of get a few things on the record before we start. We're gonna try and um, you know I've mentioned before we're still kind of like nipping and tucking the the format of the show. I I've listened back to the first few episodes. As of the moment, I'm actually recording this we just published our first episode like 30 minutes ago nice so you know this is what this is our our fourth or fifth episode including the preview so yeah um and we only actually just published the first one so i've listened to the first 
two, three, four episodes a number of times. I've tried to just kind of give myself really honest feedback about what I thought. And I thought, you know, we're being like really, really detailed and nitpicky in terms of going over every little plot point. Um, yeah. So maybe, you know, book two is a lot shorter. I think it's, um, as it stands right now, it's still the shortest book in the main series. I'm not sure about the, the short story collections, but it's it's by far the shortest book in the main series. So the fact that it's shorter, uh, the fact that we're going to try and streamline things a little bit, um, like I think in the in, in book one, we pretty much went chapter by chapter. Like we literally, I made sure and hit every single chapter. And I've got the, I've got chapter notes. I know Nick, you said you didn't take notes this yeah, time around. Yeah, I just I I decided that I was just going to read this one and try to like right. see what actually stuck. Yeah. Instead of trying to sort of prepare for a show and just see like what what's there, which is probably better, right? Because this is the first time you're reading them, so right. I wouldn't want you right. as a first time reader to have to stop and constantly interrupt, you know, the, right. the story to have to make these notes. And that's kind of like, well, that's what I'm doing because I've read them before, right? So I'm taking a much more, um, I guess, like analytical uh, perspective on the books the second time around because I already know the main stuff. Sure. But it, I mean, I only finished reading them. Uh, within the last couple of months and even rereading them now i still you know like oh i don't remember this yeah which is the joy of reading right right you don't remember everything yeah and sometimes while you're reading something you gloss over a a phrase or a paragraph or something that you know yeah we just just process things differently when it's absolutely yeah absolutely and when it isn't new right so exactly it's very it's a very different experience and it's kind of nice that we have both experiences represented in this one show which was part of the idea in the first place so right. um yeah so i'm being the nerd from here on out i'm the secretary of the show i'll be taking notes <laughs> and um nick will just kind of be digesting it all yeah and, and then just, shitting it out into this podcast right. that's i mean that's what i do yeah this podcast is nick's toilet right that's what i'm going for <laughs> we're gonna drop a deuce so, you know, I'll, I still have the chapter notes to kind of generally, obviously, keep us chronologically on track in terms of moving through the sure. book. And we may bounce around a little bit. Um, I just, I, I think I want to try and take book two in a more organic fashion, like rather than actually saying, okay, here's everything that happens in chapter one. Now moving on to chapter two. Here's, right. Yeah. Because you should read the books. Right. You shouldn't listen to our podcast and be like, oh, cool, I don't need to read this book now. Yeah. Because yeah. there there is some some decent stuff in there and you need to make your own mind up about what you're reading. Yeah. So we'll try and keep a general chronological order of everything that happens, but we'll maybe not be quite so precise. And we obviously... Just before we came on the air, we talked a little bit about, you know, we we hashed out a lot of some of our our ethical disagreements and just some of the issues that, you know, were a little rough at first, but I feel like we've kind of made it through the... I think so. I think so. Um, There, I mean, the elephant's there. Yeah. It just is. And I think that I'm starting to understand why it's there. And it seemed like towards the end of our last episode, just in general, and I don't mean to speak for you, Nick, but um, you were just starting to have a lot more fun with with the the parts that are supposed to be fun. You know, yeah, I, like, fun and books. even this book, this book was a blast. Oh my God. This yeah. book was a blast. Like, I really liked book one. I mean, I, I, I knew I would just based on the plot in the first place, but after I got done, I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. And obviously with the way it ended, you know, I knew I was going to keep going because I you know want to see what happens next. But once I got to the end of book two, I think that's really where I was like, oh man, like there's no way that I'm not going to absolutely love all of the rest of this because shit really does kind of go off the deep end um, in book two. So why don't we, uh, I'll, I'll take a look at some of my notes and just generally set the scene for where we start. If ever, if everyone is following with us, um, book one ended um, where basically the gang kind of just figures out that they're not going anywhere. You know, we all kind of were 
probably to believe that they would eventually escape the game and there'd be a happy ending and maybe a sequel would just kind of find a new group of people having this happen or maybe, you know, we talked about that, but no, that's not what happened. Um, at the end of book one, everyone was just kind of stuck and they started making their way towards Cardinia, which I don't think they actually made it into Cardinia at the end. No, of the they were no. just heading that way. Right? Yeah, off I think into the they sunset. sort of get into Cardinia and the the tavern that's run by the Minotaur. Right, and that's, that's where really we pick where up. In we book pick two. up. Right, because in book one they're like literally, I think, walking towards Cardinia, and yeah. Um, so in book one we pick up. It's there's no like real time lapse. You know, yeah, it's not like two months later, and then we ca you know some sequels start that way where there's like a lapse in time. And then as the as the story gets told, they kind of fill in those gaps. Sure. Um, Robert Bevan, I and I love it. It's it's. I don't mean this in a patronizing way, but like it's a lot more straightforward. You know, book two ends right after or begins right after book one. You know, book three starts right after book two, etc. Oh, good. I hope so because yeah. there are some things that happen at the end of book two that absolutely need to be addressed. Right. Well, there's a number two happening at the end of book two, and. Um, yeah, so you like you like what yeah, I did there? Yeah, you get you get a little grin from me for the number two at the end of number. I'm sure two. the grin will come across really well in the podcast. But That's, rest hey, assured, everyone, Nick is. It was grinning. there. It was it there. Was there. So yeah, so the the failures are heading into Cardinia, which is kind of like the the New York City. I mean, I, okay, can we talk about Cardinia for a minute? Go for it. I love the way that it's described right? as this like diverse utopia right like there are all these people they're buying they're selling there's a lizard man buying sh stuff from um god well, how is he described he's um a bugbear i think probably i mean like I and so like you know it, nobody gives a shit that there's a half orc and an elf and a hobbit i'm sorry a halfling halfling <laughs> Walking around, you yeah. know, they just don't care. Well, I, there um, definitely I are. Was... There are a lot of times where that is pointed out as being a strange thing, even in Cardinia. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Like they definitely mentioned that, you know, like what are you four doing together? Right, yeah. right, right. But yeah, to your point, there's. I mean, it's a melting pot, you know, yeah. and it's a very cosmopolitan place for a medieval setting, which is great. Yeah, which it's is great. great. And I think like. You know, they, they do mention the whole, like, idea that there's these clumps of dwarves, there are clumps of half-orcs, clumps of elves, whatever. Like, it, that makes sense, too, you know? Right. Um, so, anyway. Yeah, so... The, the Minotaur's so, bar. Yeah, so we're at a bar um, tended by a Minotaur. I don't remember if we ever get the Minotaur's name, but even if we do, it, it really it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Um, some of the some of the little points that I were interesting are that Dave can't get drunk off of beer, but that's the kind of stuff where we really spent too much time in the first couple shows. But that's yeah. interesting because it's our, it's our first introduction to Stone Piss, and right. Stone Piss is kind of like the liquor of choice for pretty much the rest of the series. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that seems like that's that's what happens right there. I mean in in book two, the Stone Piss. Let's talk about Stone Piss for a minute. Let's talk about Stone Piss. So it's described as tequila esque. I can't it's like remember. Tequila Probably, sure. and something else. Yeah. It's like um, and like gravel. Yeah, if like you made tequila out of a rock, that's what right. that's what stone piss is. And that's what it takes to get a, a dwarf drunk because of their constitution bonus. Sure. Right? And their resistance to toxins and what have you. Right. Okay, so, cool. So yeah, but so the they, halfling drinks it. Well, sure, because you can it's just strong. You know? Okay, but like I mean how it, he goes down. He goes down hard and fast, but yeah, but it's it's not as fast as I would have expected. 
you know? Sure. Anyway, no, I'm sorry. It's, you were ready to move it's, on. It's liquor. You yeah, know, I it's, mean, it's, 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 it's brown party liquor, right? Yeah. Well, green party liquor, I think. Yeah, it gets Dave good and toasty. So I'm trying to think if there's really anything there that needs to be mentioned moving forward. Um, I think, and this isn't too, too spoilery, but I think we do actually run across that Minotaur again um, in later books. But it's, oh, okay. you know, I don't, I don't think his name really is that important. Um, but yeah, he, he kicks them out, right? Because I think right. uh, they use like, Julian uses magic, and there's yeah. a very strict rule, and he kicks them out. Frost touch, right? He He's kinda, chilling a beer, which he, is amazing. Yeah, and he kind of uh, ushers them out, making a big scene. But when he gets them outside, he's like, "Look, it's it's cool, guys. I just needed to kind of you know keep up my reputation, but um, you guys are cool. No worries." So they and he tells them about a bunch of other people who seem to have cultural differences. Right, that's right. He's like, you guys are kind of strange. I really like that phrase. Right. I really like that the way that the <laughs> locals play up these PCs is cultural differences. Yeah, and that is important um, that this happens because that's how we first learn about the, the Whore's Head Tavern, which is where the failures are sent off. Um, Cat stays behind, right, which is also important for right. kind of the rest of the book because Cat is, is busy chatting up some dude in a purple suit right well a black suit with a purple cape right uh, yeah sure it's something which, along yeah, those lines Mordred-esque. yeah very mordred-esque in fact at one point it's even mentioned that this guy does like Kinda. this is oh this is what what mordred must have been going for it does right. look good what mordred thinks of himself as looking like yeah i wonder yeah. if i mean is millard mordred's mary sue his like right plug-in right could like, be. Yeah, like his, his... I mean, it makes sense, too, right? Sure, like Because, I mean, every DM, every writer, every author throws in their own... Throws themselves into their books, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, so the gang heads out looking for the Horsehead Tavern. And it's, you know, it's impri- implied pretty heavily that this is where we're going to find other people from Earth. You know, we kind of yep. get that impression. It's all but stated bluntly. Um, right. And that's only because the Minotaur wouldn't know to say it that way but right that's where we know what we're looking for and that's the goal so cat stays behind uh dave is hitting on this uh this female dwarf and i can't remember With a she... little wispy beard yeah and she stays behind too and dave says something to the minotaur like oh hey there's a girl and he means cat like right. like hey let cat know where we went but the the minotaur takes it as oh yeah this this female dwarf so this yeah. that comes into play later um so we find the horse head in relatively without incident um there's a little bit of confusion about the name, but they figure it out. We meet Frank, the owner, Tony, the elf, second in command, um, and we meet kind of the whole gang. There's there's Rhonda, Ed, Gorgonzola. There's a bunch of people, um, and we figure out these are all people from Earth. Yep. And so now we kind of know where everybody is. And I and I wanted to say this is this is the moment where I kind of realized officially. I know we talked before about Mordred kind of losing that last semblance of sympathy when he throws Cat and Chaz into the game. Yeah. But, like, now we're crossing into the territory where it's very clear that Mordred is, like, a straight-up serial killer. Mordred's basically. A, yeah, yeah, at this point, he is... The, those people are dead. They have not seen their family in right, years. Right, right. And they make a reference to several of the parties. Like, yeah, some of our parties are dead. Like, you know, I think... Right. I can't remember which one it is, but it might be, like, Tony the Elf or whoever. They're like, yeah, he's the only one left from his party. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, so, like, yeah, Mordred is pretty much, like, a straight-up serial yeah, killer. Yeah, he's a murderer. Yeah, for I, sure. At this point, no, I, I don't like Mordred anymore. More. I mean, there's. I mean, I I did feel for him at the beginning. Yeah. But yeah, it's That's over. Gone. It's yeah. gone. He is a. He's a psycho. He's awful. Um. So the the failures let the the other people from Earth know that it's been four months in the real world since the last time anybody um, new arrived. Like they're able to kind of calculate how how long that's been. 
Um, let's see. Cooper insults Mordred. Everybody is is mortified by because mm-hmm. they don't realize that Mordred's not around anymore. So right. Cooper very proudly kind of announces that to everybody, and uh, the, it is not received well. No, they're really nervous, right? Yeah. Because they don't know how they're going to get back. Yeah. And, and they, that makes and, sense. I mean, like, how how would they? This is insane, right? Like, the whole situation's insane, and it's everything sort of hinged on this deranged, poorly dressed man. Yeah, and Mordred has explained several times, we can assume to all of these groups, that he's the only person keeping their encounters level appropriate. And right. That's, that's a pretty right. immediate and very reasonable concern. Well, and I don't know. I think that 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 idea sort of disappears as they go further up the mountain. Yeah. But. Yeah, but, uh, and, and we don't really know at this point what level all these other people are. There are there are references to like, oh, this person's this and this person's that, but we don't know. Like, we don't know if there are any like level 10 or 15 or. They, they do make a point of pointing out that they're like the highest level is level four. Yeah. And well, within the whore's head, but then there's the four horsemen. Right. And the horsemen are all like level eight to ten. Yeah, and I don't think and I yeah, and that I don't think that's quite explained at this point in the story, but we find that out kinda later. Right. Um but we do realize pretty quickly that um that Kat is uh kind of missing because sure. that uh, the female dwarf shows up and she's like, Oh yeah, the you know, the Minotaur told me where to come and find you guys and Dave's like, Oh no, I I met Kat and they're kinda like, Oh shit, we need to go find Kat. Tim freaks out. Tim, I literally have the words "Tim freaks out" written on my notes. <laughs> I mean, it's a really it's an apt descriptor. It, it is of what uh, he does. I mean, and he does freak out, right? So Frank sends a couple of them back to the piss bucket, which is the Minotaur's bar, uh, to mm-hmm. find Cat. And there's kind of a tense moment I remember there where he's like, "Yeah, a couple of you can go, but a couple of you need to stay." And there's I I can't remember who it is, but they're like, "Wait, are we?" probably dave he's like are we hostages and he's like well if you can think about however you want but if by hostages you mean you are not free to leave um yeah i guess you are hostages you know we don't we don't know you guys we don't trust you yet and that's reasonable yeah right yeah they they don't know what's going on they don't know if they're gonna go horsemen on them yeah they don't know what's gonna happen yeah and it's made pretty clear right off the bat that frank is the guy in charge right yeah He's, he's the one who i like frank i like frank too i think i think like okay you know, we talked early on about sort of the composition of the party and the fact that these are just kind of scummy people. Right. Like Frank and Stuart and some of the other people involved, Rhonda, um, they're all like decent people. You they know, seem that way. Yeah. They seem like it. I mean, I, I mean, they haven't been like atrocious. They haven't done anything really terrible or racist, sexist, homophobic. Well, we'll get to the dildo later. <laughs> um, I don't know that that's any of those things, but um, it's pretty awful when it is when pretty, Tim's sister's life is on the it's line. It's pretty awful when they, somebody's life is on the line. They literally dick around with right. two weeks of time, making, right? Yeah, anyway, making a literal dick. I digress. Um, but I just I don't know. I, they seemed decent. Yes. they seem decent. Yeah, and, and, and uh, Frank seems really smart. You know, like he seems really on in, in in charge and on top of things and very reasonable with formulating his plans. And, and I think it was it was good for the group to get involved with them. Yeah. Um, you know, just because they kind of needed to see that. Right. Right. Like that, there are people who have got this shit a little bit figured out. Right. Um, well, they've certainly been here a lot longer than the failures. Sure, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But not only that, but they've also got just sort of 
I mean, it seems like they've got life in general a little bit more figured out. Right? Well, yeah, because like a lot of them have kind of adapted to the fact that they're probably going to live here until they die. Sure. You know? But before they got there, they were married. They had kids. Oh, sure. They were, yeah. you know, well-adjusted. Maybe they more were, like adults. They were grown-ups instead of middle schoolers who happened to be 25. Yeah. 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 And I then mean, there are was... the horsemen. So there's, you know, it's kind of the whole gamut the, of the, people. The horsemen were middle schoolers. Right. Right. Like uh, yeah. literal middle schoolers. Like I mean, let's, let's talk about them, right? Because they, sure. they show up at this point. Yeah, I think it's when they're out um, on their way looking for Cat that they right. encounter, like, what, two of them? And they're, like, Eric, they're, they're like beating a dog or, like, setting... To death. Yeah, and yeah. there's a girl and um, whoever it is that goes, whether it's, I think it's, like, Cooper and Tim or whoever, they're like, yeah, we, no, we need to go do something. Yeah, like, we and need they to go do. help them. Right, but the girl dwarf, the yeah. dwarf who was brought on... Who oh, was, yeah. She's the one who She's, starts. like, you spineless, yeah. you know, spineless cowards, you Yeah, know? and I think she leaves at that point, right? Or does she leave once they get to the piss bucket? It, I can't remember. I can tell way, you, but she, she, she certainly doesn't wind up being important to the greater she story. She definitely doesn't hang out with Dave anymore afterwards. It's, yeah. Which I get, like... You know, here's these two assholes kicking the crap out of a dog, and everyone's response is like, oh, they're higher level than us? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah, and we find out they're kind of Mordred's pets. Like, everyone else is here sort of against their will, whereas the horsemen are here, like, as a gift, you know? Like, right. they want to be and here. And they're doing terrible stuff. Yeah. I think the horsemen are interesting. They are... I think that these two different groups give us this dichotomy of... Dungeons and Dragons players, mm -hmm. right? You've got the middle schoolers who are just sociopaths who go around and are murder hobos, right? And then you've got you know the adults who who are just trying to figure out how to make stuff work in the game, yeah, and make the game work. I sort of picture the horsemen as being like when you're talking about like World of Warcraft, you know, like the the middle schoolers in World of Warcraft who are just complete assholes, yeah, you know, that just go around and like murder everybody, sure, and, you know, like they're they're like the the highest level and they destroy everybody and they're just sure. complete remorseless and then like about it. spawn camp and yeah all that other fun stuff um yeah that that definitely seems like that's who the horsemen are yeah um i think that our original failures are sort of a blend of those two i mean they are the bridge between those two groups right like they have that sort of like middle school dickhead douchebag mentality right but they also understand that they have some responsibilities to have to be adults. And... They're, they're slightly more grown up than the horsemen, but not by as much as you right. would like you to would, believe. You would think that they would have gotten a little bit of their heads out of their ass, but right. at this point, But at not least, really. like, the failures do have, like, a moral compass, you know? Absolutely. Like, it's kind of crooked, and it doesn't always work right, but it's there. Right, right, To the point, that's how they encounter the, the horsemen, right. and the horsemen are, like, beating this woman and this dog, and the failure's like, no, yeah. this isn't okay, right. you know? right. So they kind of intervene, and there's a brief encounter, but it doesn't really amount to much. Right, and I think um, that that's, that's important, I think, that, that we get that, that difference between the two different groups. Yeah, you know? and we clearly know when this is happening, like, this is going to be something that comes back. Right. Like, it's not like we're seeing this encounter and thinking, we'll probably never hear from them again. Oh, no, I mean, like, you can... They're setting like, the table. The Four Horsemen and Mordred are are going to be the antagonists for the entire series, I imagine. Right. He, like, they're like his henchmen. This is the introduction of the big bad. Right. Well, well the at big this bad point, is Mordred. At this point, we're right? still to believe that Mordred is dead. Right. You know, right. but, you know, uh, and I suppose um, anyone who's listening to this who's not quite finished book two yet, 
uh, I don't know if we've explicitly said it, but you could probably guess. Like, Mordred's not dead. No. I don't think Which was is... my prediction at the end of yeah. book one. This, is, this isn't like the end of the sixth sense. I mean, right. like, Mordred not being yeah. dead is not going to shock anybody. Right. So, um, but in any way, spoiler alert, and I probably should just warn you moving forward that we're just... Because we are going more herky-jerky and all over the place, like, maybe you should just finish book two before you keep listening. <laughs> um, we won't go into anything, like, beyond book two, but... Right. Yeah, anyway, so that we ultimately do um, get back to the, what is it, the piss bucket or whatever right. it is. And Kat's gone, but Chaz is there, passed out, um, and says, oh, yeah, no, he, you know, Kat took off, and she seemed happy enough when she left with this guy. Um but it's, it's very odd that she left Butterbean behind, right? That's like right, our, that's that's our like animal our, companion. That's right. not something that's like you're allowed to do. inseparable thing. In a game, like, that's something where he would know where she was. Yeah. You so know? something is definitely Yeah, that's, that's wrong. And that's our right? first real sign. And that's um, when they get nervous, and they start checking her character sheet. Right, right. And find out she's okay for we, a while. Uh, we meet Stuart, the angry monk. Who, I like you know, Stuart with the, the, with the super hot wife that Cooper just, like, is just literally standing there with a giant boner and <laughs> She rolled well on her charisma score. Yeah. I love how they explain, like, with her, like, bikini, you know, armor, and they're like, the failure's like, how does that help her at all in battle? And they're like, oh, I don't know. It's weird when she fights people. <laughs> You'd be surprised how often people's weapons just... Just bounce go right straight off. To the, they right. Go straight to where the armor is. Yeah. Which is just kind of like a joking nod to how the game mechanics are so flawed, but that right. they still inexplicably work that way right. here in this world, right. which is I funny. think that, that we see that the game mechanics and the world play out when Julian solves a, a rules issue. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He's they're, Because they're playing C&C. <laughs> <laughs> to pa- I loved that. That's, yeah. that's so that's genius. But because uh, the elves don't sleep, so they right. have like a separate little area for the elves. And Julian walks in. And he's like, "Wait a minute." He's like, "Are you guys seriously doing what I think you're doing?" And they're like, "Yeah." What I mean, what else are we gonna do? Yeah, and yeah. I think it was an issue of taking a five foot step and casting a spell. Yeah, or like no, I think it's an attack of opportunity. Right. They're like, "Oh, we'll just you know take a five foot step and see if you can swing your." whatever at him and yeah i don't even remember what the outcome is but it was i think that they the outcome was the elves were impressed by julian yeah and it was very cleverly written and i and i like that they're sort of showing you that even though julian is new to the game he is catching on very quickly and he just clearly has a, a very good mind for yeah yeah for the strategy of the game and kind of he he reads into things that you wouldn't expect a new player to read into. he's got a wisdom score and this is going way farther into the end of the book but like later on when he suggests the telepathy you know solution yeah uh to the teleportation issue but that's that's way off in the right i mean he's yeah he's julian i'm liking julian as a character i think he's really interesting yeah and julian Um, um again not to go too deep into what happens down the road but like tim kind of in this book starts his sort of like decline into you know like alcoholism and yeah. um despair despair Despondency. yeah depression and just you know mania and julian is really the one who kind of throughout this book as tim is kind of going down julian's kind of moving up into this leadership role right and know, i mean julian is definitely trying to take over right. leadership of the, like the failures and, and I mean, he is it makes the face sense. of the party right i mean charisma. he needs to be in the leadership role whereas like yeah tim isn't right and so that's more of the game mechanics blending in with the real world and sort of right. taking over yeah they're kind right? of becoming more the roles that they're meant to play in right. the game right and yeah. and it's it's interesting to see that i think that was that's one of the more I think that's one of my, like, I didn't really put that together until right now that we're talking about it. Like, right. you know, it's it's something that, yeah, they are becoming their roles. Even, like, 
the despondent rogue. Like that's such a yeah like a trope in fantasy. That yeah. makes perfect sense. Um, they do stuff the next day. Oh, the, uh, like the werewolf stuff. Yeah, the werewolf stuff. Like yeah. they're trying to make money. It's very interesting. Werewolf duty, and this kind of this kind of converges the two separate because there's two groups that the failure split off into, and there's right. the group going to do werewolf duty and the group investigating Catherine, and they kind of wind up at the same place. Right. Because the pumpkin patch guy um, is sort of the guy who's like, oh yeah, no, because uh, well yeah, because the pumpkin shows up on Cat's character sheet, right? Right, which was weird, yeah. but okay. <laughs> yeah, and actually. I'm going back because I want to correct myself because I, I made a note that we were talking like that Chaz was um, passed out at the table and blah, blah, blah. But uh, Chaz is actually gone. The failures don't encounter Chaz. Because I'm like, wait a minute. No, because Chaz is at the castle when we yeah. find him later. To, yeah. um, I think it's the the bartender says, oh, yeah, Chaz passed out and Kat um, went went off with who we find out later is Millard and they bring Chaz with him, but they leave Butterbean behind. Right. And then we're at the pumpkin patch and the guy... Uh, Says, oh yeah, here's this guy that you know sometimes buys my pumpkins, and here's where he lives. Sure. So that's where you want to go. But the werewolf duty thing's kind of funny, and it kind of shows is. you that they do need to earn money, right? And they get creative about it with the silver-tipped bolts and whatever. right, and just like the way that they collect those silver-tipped bolts is with their butts and arms <laughs> and faces and necks. Yeah, which was you know very interesting. Um, we find out that Julian is pretty good with a crossbow yeah that he just must have rolled a one last time right and yeah. i mean he thought he rolled a 20 this time but no yeah get, no. you got it backwards right right <laughs> uh some other kind of little interesting notes um we kind of start this little feud between cooper and stewart you mm -hmm. know so that that's kind of like a recurring thing at, this, at point. this point i think everybody has a feud with cooper yeah pretty he's much just, he's and awful. he really doesn't even like he is awful but like the further into the series you get, the more you kind of learn that, like, he, he doesn't really mean to be as awful as he is. Right. It's just, it's, it is a result of his sort of character. Yeah. And his roles and, like, what he's got going on. Like, he's not, he's not malicious. He's just right. ignorant. Right. He's very, very Which, ignorant. Like, I think is, is sort of, like, the, I mean, not malicious, but ignorant. Yeah. Could be the, you know, like... A good subtitle for the series right like yeah. yeah so they have that uh you know frank ultimately has to like warn the group that like if they have any actual physical confrontations they'll get kicked out and there is a fight at one point but stewart being bound by his lawful uh, nature admits that he's the one who struck first and yeah it's kind of always forgiven and i mean it was when they were on werewolf duty right and of course like Cooper instigates it. Yeah. He does. But it smooths it over. And I think, um, so that's where, we've covered most of everything that there is before switching POV over to Chaz and Cat. Because I think at some point they actually, Chaz wakes up in the wagon and I think he's our point of view character for this chapter. Right. Where we kind of see what's going on. And we still don't know exactly what the deal is with Millard at this point. But, you know, he's a vampire. We find this out pretty quickly. I mean, it, they, I think it was pretty obvious. Yeah. They talk about, like, his eyes. They talk about... You know, his appearance, they talk about a skeletal horse pulling a wagon. I mean, I figured he was a vampire right away. Right. So, um, yeah, so in the morning, we, we, we're we back at the horse head again, and Kat's character sheet is fine, or at least mm -hmm. her hit points are fine. So uh, they take off to go 
I do I do appreciate that they never check Chaz's character sheet. I never really thought about that, but you're totally no. right. Nobody cares at all. One time. Wow. I read the book twice now, and I never that never even occurred. I never even thought about whether or not Chaz was okay. Nobody Listen, cares. here's the deal, man. Like, if you're playing a bard in a Dungeons and Dragons game, you are expendable. Right. Like, yes, you're going to be able to help be the face. But most of the time, your ass is goofing off too hard to do that. Right. So you are the one who has to go and poke the dragon. Pretty much. <laughs> so I'm scrolling through my notes here, and I'm like, wow, I thought we were not quite that far. We're just, we really are going all over the place, but in a good way. Cause we're I mean, co- yeah, we're, we're about halfway through the book. Yeah, we're getting, yeah, yeah. Feel, and, and we're missing a lot. Like, we're leaving a lot out that kind of makes I me I think sad. that's okay. Listen. But, like, it's okay. Read the book. Like, yeah, you guys yeah. read the book. Like, yeah. if you want and us if to. if you haven't read the book, read, read the book. Read the book. Read the, Freaking books. That's yeah. what we're. That's the point. But I like. I came across a note about like Cooper drowning Stuart in a puddle of his own piss and stuff like that. And <laughs> some of those are the kinds of details where it's like, man, it's just it's just objectively funny stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know? it was goofy. It's silly. There's a lot of goofy, silly stuff that happens. And one of the, I mean, like, while I was taking notes, I was writing down a lot of that stuff, and I just didn't. Yeah. This time, but yeah. But yeah, um, we are moving I mean, through pretty quickly. It's pretty. Cooper's good. piss definitely comes into play more. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's worth mentioning Cooper's piss. Right. Because of how important Cooper's piss becomes. Right. That's true. So, I mean, like, let's let's back up here. All right. Because, I mean, like, what happens with the piss? Because, like, I mean, how do, how do we get there? Well, that's when they're, um, Stuart and Cooper and them are out. And I think it's it's right around the werewolf duty time. That's right. I mean, they're talking about the silver-tipped crossbows, and they just continue to kind of butt heads. Um, and Stewart just basically flat out attacks Cooper, and Cooper very easily knocks him out, yeah. and then drowns him, in, or you know, drowns him into unconsciousness in the puddle of his piss. And they, yeah, they like drag he, him back to the he pissed down. on the ground or something like that. I mean, like the dude is constantly whipping his dick out. Yeah, and Frank basically lets Cooper decide whether Frank stays or goes. Right. And he's, Frank says something like, "Oh, well, you letting him stay is even hurts his pride even worse. You know that yeah. you are the one who's deciding to let him stay." And Cooper's like. His pride can suck my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Very Cartman. That was a good one. But Frank says, "Hey, you guys need to go. You need to go somewhere else for the night, right? Yeah. Just do me a favor. Go stay somewhere else. I'll give you money. Just go stay somewhere else. Go find your sister, and everything will be fine." So, well, they, and they do. They just go straight there. They just go straight to the castle. They? Yeah, thought, they go thought, straight to the castle. I can't really remember because, like, sure I right. mean, they don't. They don't stay the night anywhere. They just go straight to the castle. They get attacked by the dire badgers. Dire badgers. Yeah. Yeah. And Dave is out of healing spells when right. they get attacked by the dire badgers, which is what makes it so scary. Yeah. And then, yeah. They battle the zombies briefly. Julian, I think, sets most of them on fire. Yeah, throwing oil at them. I mean, like, there are a couple of encounters. It's pretty dangerous. And then Boris and whatever. Doris. Who, Boris. Is it Doris? Isn't it? No, I think it's Boris and... Maybe it is. Maybe it is Boris and Doris. But they, they show up and it's pretty much like, all right, the gang is screwed. Like, they're going to yeah. get murdered. But right at the last second, we, we finally officially meet Millard. Right. Um, and Tim is pissed. That's when they make the the Millard Mordred comparison in the book. I think you're right, and it's funny because Tim is pissed like immediately, and it's kind of a funny role reversal reversal that it's Cooper who is the rational one, like shushing Tim, like, "Hey, dude, shut up!" Like, yeah. I, I know I know something's wrong here. Just chill out until we figure out what's going on. Yeah, I mean, um, and it's it's it makes sense that Cooper. I mean, you can't always be an asshole. Yeah, and I think they. They reference quite a lot that like Tim and Cooper are best friends, and it's like yeah. it kind of makes sense—not necessarily in an in-game mass element, but like 
um, Cooper is the one who probably is the one calming down Tim, like in real life, because Tim clearly right. just as an element of his personality has a temper. And right. So this is probably just a role that they, you know, Cooper is like the one who's like Tim, chill, chill out, man, chill. The I fuck mean, we out. don't like at this point. We really don't know much about Tim's sort of existence outside of the game, right? right. Yeah. And I mean, we've we've got some actions to go on, and he's been smart he's been decent but when it comes to his sister he's definitely illogical and he's shown his temper a couple of times he at has. this point that he like we can tell he's got he's not a very happy person just overall well and he talks of... about like his restaurant as being this shitty little dump and it's like well dude like it's yours yeah like if you don't like something about it do something about it you know don't just call it shitty don't just bitch Fix so, it. But so, anyway. So Kat comes out and she's looking all hot, but she appears to be none the worse for wear. Um, <laughs> we once again get a vivid Co- Cooper's description erection. of Cooper's boner. There's a there's a line about like that if he turned around, he would have poked Tim's eye out or yeah. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and Millard being uncomfortable by the giant half-orc cock or something like yeah. that. I mean, listen, man. So, But Catherine's definitely acting weird. We can tell something's up. Um, right. Chaz, when there's a brief moment where Chaz gets to kind of fill them in a little bit, that Millard's a vampire, that Chaz is basically a prisoner. Um, Performing Holly Holy. Ho- yeah, and what is it, Neil, just like Neil, Neil Diamond, Diamond over and over, Sweet Caroline. Yeah, and I don't think I, I don't think it's ever like directly stated, but we can kind of infer that, because like there are a couple times where it seems like he even would want to stop, but he just inexplicably doesn't miss a beat, you know, and it's like, oh, he's probably under the same type of spell that yeah. Catherine is, but... Well, I think I think he starts off that way. Yeah. Where he's, you know, glamoured, but by the by the end of it, he's definitely not. He yeah. is... Because uh... it wears off after a little while. Oh, yeah. After yeah. a few days, right? That's yeah, what they, they say, they but... That. Yeah. But I think that that's, that's, a, that's, an, that's a lie. I do like that the way they tell us that... Catherine, they know Kath- something's wrong with Catherine. she's being too nice. Because she's being nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. She's being nice and she's being happy. But by all indications, I mean, Millard actually seems like a pretty decent dude. Like, you you, you feel like it's all a ruse. But right. like, as, as the story keeps going on, you're like, man, I, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. But Millard actually seems pretty nice. Yeah, he's <laughs> you know, like, he's feeding them. He's very hospitable. They stay the night there. They do. Um, and I think it's the next morning that Kat sort of does, like, admit, like, yeah, he does drink my blood. But, you know, it's, sure. it's cool. I don't mind. It's not it's so cool, bad. It's cool, guys. He never takes too much. Um. So the gang goes back to the now, horse head. So um, I've got to, I mean, like, can we can we talk about this now since we're here? Which part? The uh, Catherine turning? Well, it's, it's still not quite there we're yet. We're not there yet. Because, okay. you know, okay, they, okay. they go back, they start formulating the plan to make the masterwork wooden stake. And they, That's right. They plan Which, to smuggle it in via Cooper's ass. I don't, listen, I, we, we have a deal where we don't talk about the book outside of the podcast. Right, cause save it for the show. We save it for the show. And oh, that's right, because you, te- you did and I had to, message I me. I messaged you and said, oh my god, the stake. Yeah. And that's all I said about it. No, you said, you said I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. I, I died from laughing. Like, this, it was, oh my god, that the way, was The way so... it's described in the book, like, the, the way they reveal it, like, the tension when he Dude, wakes up. Oh, yeah. And everyone in the, and you can picture it perfectly. They set the scene perfectly where everyone is being tense, but Tim can't quite put his finger on why. Right, right. You know? Well, I mean, and like, listen, man, like, this is a masterwork weapon that somebody just made. Yeah. You know, that's not an easy thing to do in game, especially I mean in three point five that was tough. Yeah, and it takes several weeks, they say. Right. And like yeah. and they and mention like they visit Kat regularly. Like right. they come and go, they right. they visit right. her. I mean, Jazz this is getting worse, but nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares about the bard. And I think the only reason that Chaz is suffering is because of Neil Diamond. 
Right. <laughs> probably that's probably the worst part. I mean, listen, man. Nick's throwing nothing. shade at Neil Diamond. I'm not throwing shade. Hot listen, take. That's what. That's in the shots fired. <laughs> listen, Delirious Love might be one of my like top ten favorite songs. I got. I, I like Neil Diamond. I've got nothing against Neil. I Diamond. I wouldn't call myself a Neil Diamond fan. But... What was the move? Saving Silverman is where he's all obsessed right. with Neil Diamond. That's right? probably like where I know Neil Diamond the best from is Saving Silverman. <laughs> anyway. And like, I mean, like, I'm not that level of obsessed with Neil Diamond, oh. right? Yeah, I mean, no, but I'm okay I'm, with it. I'd like, say I'm pretty close to that on Billy Joel. Yeah, we were just talking about that. We were, the yeah, show too. But yeah, and we're getting off into the. It's all right. Listen, the, the weeds. Land. Listen, the weeds are where we belong. The dildo is what we should be talking about. God Let damn, us the not dildo. take okay, our so, away from the dildo. And so the way he describes like it, he's like yes. Tim's looking at it. He's like, wait, what is this? Is this? Is it a roadmap? And he goes, No, no, it can't be that. No, no, please. It's veiny. It's veiny. It's a veiny. Really veiny. Two foot long. Two feet long. Why would you? Okay. Because Cooper's got a gigantic ass. Listen, that's a club. That's yeah. not a stake anymore. That's a club. Well, are we? I mean, are we to believe that the entire thing is two foot, where it's like one foot dick, and then the other side is like one foot stake, or like do we think that? Because that's that really is that would be two foot of just the dick part. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Intense. That's that's a lot of dick. Yeah, that's. A I lot. think two two feet of dick. It's a lot of dick. I mean, I think they say Cooper is like eight feet tall. I, I don't remember if they were like super specific ever, but I think... Still, that's a quarter of him. Still, that's a lot. That's that's more than he should have been able to to, to keister. So everybody has a good laugh. Tim <laughs> reasonably uh, does not find it very funny. But they're like, all right, all right, well, we'll just make a new one, you know? There's no and rush. And that's when... And then that's the night where Cat gets all horny for that, you know... So I want to talk about. Action. So I got to talk about this, right? So as we we discover that that cat is definitely underneath a glamour, right? The whole time, yeah. At this point, where she's like asking, did Millard force that on her? I mean, I suppose. Like, did he force her to ask him to turn her? Whether the glamour is worn off or not, if the only reason she's even agreed to go there in the first place is because he, you know manipulated her right. magically I mean, he did right yeah right. and maybe and we don't know exactly how it works in the game or like you know because every every iteration of vampires is different from different movies and tv shows sure. but like sure. you know maybe it's just kind of one of those things where once he's been feeding on her it's kind of like an addictive thing like the rush or maybe right. she's getting a little bit of that vampire like you know saliva in her blood and sure you get because like in some vampire movies or whatever that's kind of a thing where like even though you're still alive you're kind of gradually you know, being infected right. with the the darkness of vampirism or sure. whatever. I don't know. I just I don't know, man. Like I, I I think that this scene is really troubling for me because of like the whole consent issue and like she doesn't. I mean, if she doesn't want to be a vampire, nobody right. wants to be a vampire. Right? The way they kind of describe it's almost like vampire Spanish fly. You yeah, know? like it's yeah. like she wants it, but it's, she doesn't really want it. She's right. been made to want it. Yeah, it's gross. It like, is gross. Um. And this is where I'm like, okay, Millard sucks. Huh? Like, we're... Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Millard stops being like... Um, I mean, this is this is sort of what happened with Mordred, right? Mordred... I mean, and I, like, I fell for Mordred. Right. I mean, that's that's on that's on record. And Literally. at the moment, as far as we know, Kat's just dead. Right. You know? Right. Um, I mean, like, you know, and I just... Because the character she where... says are Constitution Zero. She's right. dead. And, and right. Tim, Tim flips I, out. Listen, man, like... It's a vampire. Her constitution dropped to zero. Her hit points dropped to zero. Right. I'm sitting there like, she a vampire. 
I mean, yeah, and, and they don't they don't leave us hanging pretty long with you know until we find that out. Um, yeah. But you know, there is a brief period of time where we're like, oh, she's dead. We need to go kill this vampire. Stuart uh, volunteers to go because he feels rightly so very responsible. Well, and I think like what what's good about Stuart going is that Stuart's hands are you know they're they're a plus one magic item. Yeah, it's true because the He's... the rest of the group can't bring their weapons in. Yeah, I mean it makes sense except he, for in Cooper's makes... asshole. Which should have been a plus one magic item. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not a magic item, but it is a plus one. There is a moment that I, I loved at the end, very, very end of chapter 17, where I think it's Dave. It's like, well, so they have the plan. They're going to go kill Miller. And he's like, well, Dave's like, well, we still have one problem. Referring to, you know, the, the only stake they have is the dildo. And Cooper says, no, we don't. Yeah. Fetch the dildo, <laughs> and it's like a really, it's 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 a really like serious moment, or it's presented right, as like a right, really like right. you know where you know Cooper is Cooper's willing to make this sacrifice for Tim and yeah. for Catherine, and it's hilarious, but it's still very poignant that like it's a very solemn moment where you know Cooper decides to literally take one up the ass for yeah, and you know, to go get revenge for Catherine. Hey, and there's know. there's a couple times where they kind of make it clear that um, Cooper I think has a bit of a thing for Catherine. Oh, you know, I didn't catch on to that. Yeah, it's it's kind of inferred a couple okay. of times, you know. Um, but anyway, so that's but the, that makes that's, I mean that makes sense. Yeah, so that's the plan. And also, Frank suggests that they could possibly get her resurrected. So they go to the temple of Rafa, um, <laughs> you know, and they they Cooper. Well, they're like, well, no, you guys don't have enough money for a resurrection, but we'll get we'll let you drink some you know holy water to give you some blessing before you go. And, well, they didn't say you can drink holy water. Well, they, they said, said they were going to bless them. All right, but, so whatever they say. But Cooper is Cooper, drunk. Yeah, Cooper's, Cooper's drunk ass. Completely. As the kids say. Yeah, defiles the Temple of Rafa, and they he get kicked out. He drops his face into holy water. Yeah, and guzzles, and like guzzles half it. Of it and which then, is important pretty soon. Yeah. Which is genius. And obviously, this is one of those great things where in reading it the second time around it seems so obvious yeah but like i you there's no way you saw where this was going no i that's, didn't that's, see where that was going at all which I is the best that's the best way to do and it like i just thought like okay this is another moment where cooper is blundering around right right because that's who he is that's what he does i i do like that they describe the holy water as slightly brown at the end that was great oh yeah. my god that was so funny but you know cooper i mean he he so they go yeah, to the, we'll they, get there. so they go to the castle and there's there's like a big battle and we can skip over a lot of that because it's just action where they're right. basically you think they're gonna fight um, the twins or whatever um, but cat comes out and it's like oh hey the big reveal cat's actually still you know she's not alive she's right. not, she's undead and all that right but other than that it's it seems like a relatively normal visit uh, it, oh, it's Horace and Boris. Horus. Horus and Boris. Not Doris. Yeah. Horus. I have that written down here. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, um, oh no, it's, it's Miller that intervenes, but then we see Kat a moment later, um, and you know... These are my friends! Yeah, and except for Tim, everyone is still very conflicted about whether or not they should still murder Miller, you know, because Miller, like I said, to, to the failure's knowledge, Miller is actually, because they weren't there when he killed Catherine, but Catherine seems fine now, she seems happy, um, Millard's always been very nice to all of them, so they're like, I don't know whether we should still kill him or not. And um, try, I'm going through my notes to try and kind of get it all straight in my head here, but two important things: Cooper is already in the bathroom shitting out the dildo. What Julian are you two important to things? Stop him, right? Right. Yeah, I think so. Julian nearly falls to his death. Oh, that's right. Through the I thought hole that was amazing. Floor. I thought that was really cool because that is how old toilets worked, right? Like right. You just in, shit in like, a giant hole in the floor. You just in a hole and it went somewhere else. Yeah. It's like a moon right? door yeah. for the Game of Thrones Right, fans. exactly. I mean, like a moon door, I mean, it was where your butt went. 
Right. You know, like so Cooper rescues him with the dildo. With the dildo. Casts grease on it. He's like, yeah, the plan is right because he's a little tender up there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But they so the plan's on hold. They um, but it, oh yeah, and this is where we find out Cooper's like, well, it's a little late for that. And Julian's like, why? And he's like, because I just pissed in his coffin. Yeah. You know. Right. But they go back out to dinner, and there's a there's a bit of banter. Um, but I think it's ultimately. Um, Kat kind of like loses her shit because she's kind of like, look, Tim, enough. And she kind of goes off on him, right? And right. she makes some good points because she's she like, she's like, yeah, okay, look, I was under, or Millard admits like, yeah, she yeah. was under a spell, but she's not now. Right. And Kat's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm very happy. I'm immortal. I've right. got all these powers. You know, what's your problem, Tim? Yeah. Like, this is what I want. Is it yeah. really so hard for you to accept that this is my choice? And Tim is like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. I think he actually literally says that. Yeah, like, Fuck I think it. he does. You know what? He's like, congratulations to you both. And we're like, yeah. oh, crisis averted. And then uh, Cooper, <laughs> what is he, like sneezes or laughs or something happens something and the happens dildo falls and the dildo out. Oh, no. Because they know they're not going to have to battle. And so Cooper's like, all right, hey, Dave, so can you heal me now? And he heals he him. heals him. And then the dildo falls out. And uh, Millard thinks that it's making fun of his uh, impotence at first. Right. And kind of loses his shit. Because, um, I mean, it's a two-foot-long dildo. Right. Right? And he's like, going to kill them. Like, you know, like, the, the oh-no moment is when you think he's going to notice that it's a stake. But, like, he just, he actually, it's worse that he notices that it's a dildo. Right, because he's he's very sensitive about his vampire ED. Right. So he's going to basically man, kill them just from that. Hey, vampires out there, if yeah. you're listening, and you're suffering from vampire ED, you need to just talk to your doctor. About vampire Or your Abra. lich... Vampiragra? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah. I mean, how would that work, right? Would they get a prosthetic? I don't know, but we're not going to spend 20 minutes talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. Vampire. We are. No, like, okay, so anyway. So, um, the, so yeah. There's so a fight, and it's sweet. There's a big fight. Stuart gets thrown out the window, but he's a monk, so he figures it yeah, out. Yeah, it's like, whatever. Um, Cooper gets stabbed in the gut. So they kind of battle, and uh, they come close to killing Millard a couple times. They do. But eventually he flees uh, into his coffin, and right. Catherine is like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to eat all you assholes. She's like, no, I'm going to kill you. She's going full on vampire at this point. And then we hear this, you know, blood curdling scream from Miller's coffin. Um, There is some really good shit with uh, the next chapter where they have to get into Miller's coffin room with the, the, um, they open the, Cooper's basically just like, screw it. And he kicks open the door and he takes a couple crossbow bolts and they see there's like crossbows everywhere. Yeah. And Julian's solution, Tim sets off a couple more and you know where I'm going with this. Um, Julian, summons a horse and like man oh man mount this was it was epic holy god rest in peace yeah rip horse yikes that was kind of in pieces by crossbow bolts but i mean like if you're gonna disarm a room full of traps it was i mean that's another one of those examples of julian being like really clever with his use of spells right i mean he used a mount he fed catherine a horse yeah yeah later on yeah well during this scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. To keep her right. from attacking everybody. He, like, he casts Mount. That's right. And she stops and bites it. That's right. And like she sort of, like, backs off a little bit. Yeah. Um, so they get all the traps disabled. They go in and they figure out, like, oh, yeah, it's Cooper's, you know, holy water piss. And that's Millard's dead holy now. Holy water piss. Yeah. They find the bag of holding, which is very important for the rest of the book. And um, Bags of holding are always important. Bag of holding if, you're, awesome. if your DM is kind enough to give you a bag of holding... Thank your DM. 
and then try to figure out how to do cool shit with it. What they figure out is freaking cool. It is, and I feel like this is something where Robert Bevan, the author, just like really had a lot of fun thinking about like how would it actually work, you know, like if, if a person went in a... You know, like I feel like he came up with the idea of using the bag of holding that way and then kind of like let's figure out a way to make that the solution to whatever their problem was. Sure. You know, so and it's, it's brilliant. Um, and they do the whole thing where they throw it out the window and they're all in there and, you know, Tim... Tim has fun, like, riding around like a slingshot. And yeah. It's funny stuff. It's cool. It's interesting to see how a pocket dimension is described. I mean, it's something yes. that we've all sort of thought about in terms of Dungeons & Dragons, right? right? Like, yeah. you know, we think about, oh, what is inside a bag of holding? What is a pocket dimension? What yeah. does that really look like? And Dave doesn't want to do it because Dave's a wuss. Um, <laughs> and Stuart, uh, yeah, everybody but Stuart goes in the bag. Stuart climbs down. Right. And they throw the bag. And then Ravenous gets Julian out. Julian gets everybody else out. And then? Um, and then, well, and I, I missed a out couple. Out of the frying pan. Yeah, into the fire. Um, everybody has leveled up at this point, too. Yes. I skipped over that. So they're all third level now. Um, and Cat, Cat's pretty much back to normal mentally, except for being a vampire. She was pissed yeah. about being turned into a vampire. Yeah, and she it just pissed. makes it all the more obvious she was, that she was under a spell. She was so... And it's as soon as that scream happens... Right, because she's like, she screw Millard. snaps out of it. Because she doesn't care she's about She's like, Millard. oh my fucking god, I'm a fucking vampire. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. And yeah. she's pissed. She's pissed. And she kind of comes to appreciate it a little more later. But yeah, they get out of the bag... Um, just in the nick of time, in terms of oxygen levels and all sure. that, and they get attacked by this, you know, band of hooligan halflings. Right. Um, you know, so that happens. Yeah. Um, trying to remember, this. I mean, they they feed one of them to Catherine. I I, I don't thought remember, that was great. I don't remember if they actually mention his name, but um, you find out his name in the next book. It's Jin Fizzle. Okay. Um, they do mention, I think, a couple of their other names. They're all Bing like, Bongle, Bing Bongle, or Boozle, or whatever. Yeah, something They're like that. Goofy halfling. It's like we're not gonna. I'm not gonna get killed by somebody named Bing Bozzle or yeah. Bing Boogle or. So the failures arrive back at the horse head, which is on fire, and we find out that the horsemen are pretty much responsible for that. Um, there's two of them are dead, Rhonda and Gorgonzola, but Tim uses all the fat cash they have in the bag of holding to, to pay for them to get resurrected. I don't think that actually happens in this book, but just to tell you, like that does happen. Rhonda and Gorgonzola get resurrected. Because I mean, well, he says, good. like, here's 6000 per, here's 12000 Yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that happens. I mean, like he doesn't pay to get the, the horse head repaired no but i i mean i guess we're to assume that there's just plenty of money in the bag but the, the it might not matter right he because said, the, he dumps all the gold out and it goes no he says to, 12 no he says twelve thousand. no no i later oh yeah yeah later, later he says yeah. all the gold but there's still all the gems there's still all the copper all the else. silver everything else yeah i mean plenty like of money in the bag we're six novels in and i still don't know that we'll ever find out exactly everything that was in the whole bag of holding when they found it you know sure who knows right because um, that's i mean the way you find out a thing is in your bag of holding is you reach in and say the name of it right but the more important takeaway is that the plan they come up with to teleport use the spell teleport right. which says in the description of the spell you can basically go anywhere as long as you can picture it in your mind you know mm -hmm. accurately enough so they're going to pay a wizard uh we find professor Goosewaddle. he's going to be the the, yep. the one crazy enough to give this a try and i love Goosewaddle. This he is, seems again, all right you, you got to hear that you got to hear the narration because it just makes him so much more um more like a unique individual like hearing the way that jonathan sleep just gives them all their own voices and identities and it's Goosewaddle is one of my favorites so Goosewaddle's kind of kooky he agrees to consider it. Um, like, there's the whole thing where they go to the hotel and then they the horsemen kind of attack them and they wind up back in Goosewaddle's shop. Right. Um, and Goosewaddle at first, Goosewaddle drives a hard bargain. Yeah. Um, and at first, he's only gonna. We're at 55 minutes, so we're doing pretty good. We'll probably finish we, up book two. We should probably 
Well, oh, are we yeah, actually going to get to the end? Yeah, we yeah, we're good. So um, Goose Waddle decides, uh, oh, yeah, and that's when Julian uses his plan to say, well, you know, Goose Waddle's like, well, I've never been to where I'm sending you. And Julian says, well, let's use telepathy. So they hook each Brilliant. other up. Very you know. cool. Um, Goose Waddle initially is just going to send Tim, but then when he telepathically sees where he's sending them, he's intrigued enough to say, screw it, I'm going to send, well, let's all go, you know? Yep. Uh, so Tim gets zapped back into the chicken hut, and it works! He's back home! And is and he's a, still he's a halfling. halfling. So and we're like, oh, of course he is. Of course. So he's starting to think, well, what am I going to do? There's a dead body in my freezer, and I'm like this little child man. So, and he's starting to kind of freak out, and he goes to open the door. Um, and I think he hears like a noise that startles him. And I think we're to assume that it's the rest of the group being... Because t- he, he doesn't know they're coming. Okay. See, Th- this is... I was... Because it said it sounded like it was coming from the bathroom. Or something. And I thought that it was like, oh, okay, so there's somebody in there already and they haven't opened the door to let well no because i think what it is is he teleports into the room like where the gaming table is and then he goes back into the kitchen area because he's standing right in front of the freezer Mm -hmm. and he hears this commotion he doesn't know what it is but i think we the reader are meant to assume that it's the rest of the gang around which makes sense yeah but he opens up the, the cooler to you know presumably feast his eyes on mordred's fat naked dead body Right. Um, but instead, he sees Mordred's very much alive, uh, fat, naked, shitting body. Right. And that's it. That's the end of the book. Boom. Cliffhanger. Boom. Mordred, Mordred leaning against the wall, pooping. Mind blown. I mean, not really. Floor shat upon. I mean, that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> listen, man, I, I, I saw that. I, I knew Mordred wasn't dead. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have said that after having read book one that I was like 100% certain... But I definitely would have said I was like 90% sure. You know, like yeah. there, there's no scenario where I think anybody is surprised by the fact that Mordred is still alive. But it's still a fun reveal. It's still cool. Yeah, you know? I thought it was really interesting. I think it's also interesting that there's now a halfling on Earth. Right. Yes. And well, and, and we're, to, we're to believe that there's also a half-orc and a dwarf. and Because you know, the Goosewaddle says, I'm going to bring in everybody. And I think Goosewaddle's a gnome, right? Right. Yeah. Well, is he going to teleport himself? He says so. I mean, he says so, but... Does he actually, I mean, does he, I, I've got to read book three. Yes. I've got do. to read book three. Yes, you and do. Like, and this, yes, the Goose, deal, Goose right? Waddle's there. And this is all like chapter one stuff. Okay. I mean, like I figured, but yeah. I just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. I think that that was a really good way to, to stop. I thought that was a cool place to stop. Yes. Um, as far as like, so predictions, thoughts, that kind of stuff. Yes. It sets up a ton I, of fun possibilities I for really, book three. I liked this book. Yeah. I really did. I thought this one was a lot of fun. Um, I, it felt like a and d game. Right. It did. If, I mean, like, I just got done playing a and d game that felt, followed almost the exact same arc where you have, like, a combat encounter, a combat encounter, a puzzle, a boss. Right. And then, boom. I mean, like, it, it was great. I thought that was really cool. Um, I like the dichotomy between the two different groups. I think, um, you know, I, we've talked about everything I want to say about the book already, right? Like, right. I thought this one, this one was really, it was really good. It's really fun. It was fun, yeah. Really funny, really fun. Like, it, like, I mean, like, you know, it's, uh, I like that holy water piss is what killed the vampire. Yeah. That's 
It's so good. And I'm sure there's still so much that because we did it more streamlined, which I which I do like, I think this worked out better, but like we we skipped over so much. I mean like hey, hey you, you know, asshole, whoever you are listening to this podcast, right. let us know. Yeah. Um, you know, I've the other got, one uh, is give us some feedback. Tell us if you prefer it this way, if you prefer it the other way. Right. And in, however, fa- in fairness, since we're releasing these episodes, or like we're recording them so far ahead of where we're releasing them, right. the feedback you give us will be on a you know several week delay. But we but still want to hear. Fine. It. I mean, like, and we do, yeah. And we want to know if you want to hear more analysis. Do you want to hear more sort of summary? Like, what do you what do you want? What do you want, audience? You tell us. Do you want us to grease up the dildo steak? I have no... I was waiting. I wasn't going to go any further. Moment of, I was like, where is he going with this? I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and see where Nick is. Nah, man. Or do you, do you want us... Do you want us sucking that blood out of your neck? Yeah, so you tell us. Tearing your bodice. I like the way this this episode went. I, this yeah, is, this, this one was a lot. this was this was great. Yeah, this was good stuff. So I mean, I'm I'm excited to get into book three. There's a lot. I mean, book three. So, a buddy of mine just um, to let you know, I, I talked my friend into starting to read these two, and he's already done with book three. And he, he, he like, he lost it at book three, like okay. in a good way. He's like, man, book three is by far my favorite so far cool. and a right. lot of good shit in book three. I, I mean, I really, I, I enjoyed book two, um, a great deal more than I enjoyed book one, but yeah. I, you know, usually enjoy level two a great deal more than I enjoyed level yeah. one. Yeah. And did I tell you, I can't remember if this was on the podcast or off, but, um, that I did a poll on the Facebook group and, um, no, I don't think it was with you. I think it was with, with Ken, my friend who's, um, reading the books that I did a poll on the Facebook group saying, hey, which is your favorite one? One, two, three, four, five, or six? Because I just wanted to know. I wanted to yeah. see what other people's thoughts were. Um, and it was overwhelmingly book one won the poll. Wow. Um, and I think they're, the second most, I think, was book six. And I, I sort of attributed that to the recency bias, you know, because it's the most recent release. Mm-hmm. It's the one that's freshest. Up. And it is. It's, it's awesome in its own right, too. But that's, I figured book six would get a lot of votes just because of that. But book one being so overwhelmingly the favorite kind of surprised me because I, I love all of them. Yeah. But I think that book one is just, it's a lot of table setting. It's a lot of right. exposition. It's a lot of, you know, getting to know these characters. And they're Absolutely. all level one, which is when you're playing D&D, level one is boring as shit. It's it objectively is. boring. It's, it's, it's miserable. So, like, for me, it's like the, the farther into the series we get, the more I'm starting to enjoy the books. Um, I'd say my favorites are probably three and four. Okay. Um, probably kind of on equal footing. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, oh, I'll be interested to hear what you have to say about book three then. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to read it again. I haven't. St- I, I finished book two, and then because my buddy Ken is re- is already reading book three, I wanted to like go ahead, but I was like, no, 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 no. I gotta wait. Um, but I'm really excited to dig into book three again. Cool. Um, so that's what we'll do next time. We're like almost at exactly an hour. We're like at an hour and one minute. So we did. All- this is perfect. This is great. It's this the dream, out. Nick. We spent an hour talking about one book. Yeah. Which was the goal. Yeah, was the goal, and then and we ended we up. To... We spent three hours talking about one book. I know, yeah, yeah then... <laughs> but a lot of that was getting over some of those initial, um, you know, hesitations you had. Sure, it was sure. An, it was an important thing to do because I don't think we would have gotten to this point if right. we hadn't done that first. Right, and I think that that's if you're someone who's on the fence about this book because you've heard those claims. Right. Keep in mind that whole like. That idea that you're supposed to, I mean, give it a chance. Yes, and give I'm glad, because like, were it not for the fact that you kind of felt compelled to keep going because you're doing this show about yeah. the books, I think you, like a lot of people, probably just stop reading. I, you was, know? I was completely turned off. Right. When I read the first half of the first book. Right. But by the end of the first book, I was like, this is a ton of fun. Yeah. And I was in. 
Yeah, it's not, and yeah. now I'm now I'm now I'm deep in your balls deep. Nick. I'm as I mean, which isn't that deep for me, but like I'm still like you know I'm super. I'm not I'm definitely not a steak, you know. Anyway, yeah. Um, so hey, it's been fun. It has been fun. Good news uh, for everybody out there who is you know liking the show. All seven or eight of you. Um, yeah. We are now on Twitter. We have a Twitter. Um, we at do? Chicken Hut Pod. Oh man! Because podcast was too long, and Chicken Hut by itself was already taken. So we are oh, at Chicken Hut Pod. Chicken Hut Pod on Twitter. Uh, we are at Chicken Hut Pod on Facebook, or you can just search Chicken Hut uh, Podcast on on Facebook to find the page there. I have no idea. Um, there's obviously still the um, the Caverns and Creatures official Facebook group that Robert Bevan runs, which is where um, I kind of came up with the idea for this show. So you can definitely find me there, and there's, that's where a lot of other fans of the books are. And Robert Bevan himself is very active in the Facebook group there. Um, trying to think if there's anything else I should be plugging. Like I've always said, go to Robert Bevan's website, cavernsandcreatures.com. I'm going to make sure and link to that Buy in the show stuff. notes. Buy his stuff. I'm wearing, Buy his stuff. Buy his merch. Hey, look, I'm wearing my I'm You're wearing, wearing a Caverns, Caverns and Creatures, and Creatures hoodie. hoodie right now. It's very nice. It's got a bow and arrow. It's got a little raven. Yeah. It's very nice. It's nice. I like it. So, uh, hey, Nick, this was, a, this was a lot of fun, man. Uh, it's closing time here at the Chicken Hut, but... We hope you guys all come back next time. Um, we're 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 really into it now. I mean, book three, here we come. Yeah. No turning back. Um, if we don't see you next time, I will be really, really 